0: Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Adela Marcy Unplugged. I'm your host of the most, as always, Adela Marcy, and today, Ooh, you guys are in for a treat. Okay, so the person that you guys have probably seen, his name is Jay White, and for the majority of you who are, in my opinion, my fans, and I love you, but in this one sense, you are an absolute fucking idiot if you don't know who this man is. Um, the, The words of, in my own words, I will say the history of direct response and specifically email marketing, and more specifically than that, the last 20 years have been secretly shaped by this man, and I can say that because he shaped my fucking career. And uh, I can tell you why and how, and we're going to get into that when I uh, stroke his ego on and we get to, and you guys don't get to see this, but I get to see it. Jay gets like really funny whenever this happens, but it's true. Uh, Jay White is definitely one of the titans of the industry. He's an old schooler with like one hell of a big heart and he just helps so many people. And with that being said, I'm going to shut the fuck up and bring the man on. Jay, welcome to the show. Thank you. I appreciate it. I know we've been trying to get this
1: to happen for a while and uh, I'm, I'm glad we finally I did. did and uh i'm excited you're uh this this show is killer man i'm glad
0: to be a part of it i'm glad that you're a part of it as well man and it's funny because like i actually messaged jay like because we're in the same group i messaged jay going hey man just quick heads up are you mad at me about not doing my show or something And you're just like no i just haven't had time yeah i was like what i was like because in my head i was like did i annoy him without knowing it because no no i can't not at all
1: that's my okay. fault. It's
0: my bad. So. Uh, not at all the slightest, dude. I'm glad we're doing this. Uh, so just a real quick heads up for everyone at home that, well, not even that doesn't know you, because I don't want to go into the backstory of how you got here. We will touch on that. But I want to give everyone, like, if it's okay with you, I want to give everyone a perspective of how you impacted me. Because, like, um, okay. so for the people that know, I've been writing copy professionally from the time I was 18. Um, and, you know, fresh out the gates. Warrior Forum was my place. I kind of really cut my teeth and honed my craft a little bit. And Jay basically had a crap ton of emails on that that people had put on and went, this is Jay White, look at his stuff. So obviously being the the ever curious, I would say that I am, I decided to go through everything I could find of Jay's and started applying it to my email sequences. In fact, something that I will accredit to you, Jay, that I don't think I've ever said to anyone ever, including the guy that said, wow, this is impressive, because I wrote an email for a client of mine and his only response to me was, did you plagiarize this? <laughs> Which is a sign that you're doing a really good job, because like anytime someone says, did you plagiarize this and you're supposed to be an amateur, is a great job. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't plagiarize it, but I did get inspiration. And the inspiration, uh, I can remember the email almost verbatim. It was Igor, it's alive, was the subject line. And the whole email was about how your uh, laptop was your cash machine. And it was the Frankenstein's monster if you didn't know how to build it. But if you knew how to build it, wow. it was a system that worked perfectly. Now, I wrote this whole out for like the system that the spasm was selling, got it all set up. And uh, when I was going through like my swipe files of stuff, I will tell you right now, I pulled that entire, like that whole idea from another email you wrote about, uh, what was it? Pop culture. You used a pop culture headline and a pop culture email. And I was like, that is incredible because it speaks to me. Maybe it'll speak to my audience as well. And I just used it from that. But that being said, the, the impact you've had on my career has been uh, incredible. I actually don't think I'd be able to write as emails as well as I can if it wasn't for you. Wow.
1: Well, thanks, man. I, you know, I'm humbled, uh, because I don't feel like I'm, uh, the guru type necessarily. Um, I just kind of do what I do and just, people have liked it and uh, a lot of people have taken it and making money with it. So I just keep on doing it and uh, as you can see, I'm, you know, I'm not on a beach someplace or on my yacht or in my private plane. I'm, I'm just in my little office here in the central United States and got my Dylan. stuff around me and put my ball cap on and, you know, I'm ready to, to chat about whatever. So uh, I appreciate you uh, and your accolades. Um, it's always a little embarrassing to me if I'm at an event and people come up to me and they look at my name tag and they say, are you the Jay White? And I'm like, Yeah, (laughs) and if they want to get their picture taken with me, which happens sometimes,
0: I'm
1: always like, like, why, you know, (laughs) I'm the biggest dork in the world, Uh, why would you want to get your picture taken, there's John Benson over there, go get your picture taken with him, look at those muscles, I mean, look at that. (laughs) I'm an old that man. is the
0: one thing that is the one <laughs> thing i think if like when we all get together for the cpa uh reunion we have to do that like everyone has to fly out to a location when we can and now i can join you guys i will be joining you yes already.
1: that would be um, fun
0: that would be great i think the first thing that we're gonna have to do is get you and john on either side and everyone has to stand in the middle as you, as john just flexes and you just sort of like why am I even here right now? <laughs> yeah, flex right here.
1: Yeah, <laughs> Those are bigger muscles. Big, that's about as big as it gets for this guy. So, <laughs>
0: but yeah. Thanks, okay, man. So, I appreciate it. Dude, it's true, though. Like, you've been such an influence to so many people. and It's really good. Uh, I'm glad I got to do the show. So, right off the bat, one of the things I want to ask you, not so much about the history of where you come from, because that's fascinating. We are going to get onto that. My question for you is like, with where you've been and what you're seeing today, what is the biggest shift in email marketing besides customer sophistication that you're seeing right now?
1: Well, um, as a guy who's been writing emails since about 2006 uh, for clients and for my own stuff, uh, you know, I, I get this question a lot. What's changed? What's shifted? You know, does your method still work today? And the answer is yes. Um, I would say some some things that have shifted are uh, emails are getting more and more varied in their approach and their their um length especially i get a lot of people well, what you know how long should an email be And it's, and i always kind of cop out here and go to this the, to the age-old axiom of it needs to be as long as it needs to be and not one word longer just like a sales letter or anything else um typically yeah, I that you go
0: I, what's that i was gonna say see i love that you go there i always give them the churchill response which is it should be as long as a woman's skirt. It should be like a woman's skirt, long enough to, uh, you know, cover all the details, but short enough to keep your attention.
1: There you go. There you go. My, You know, when I when I uh, put together my course for AWAI, Email Copy Made Easy, uh, the first itineration of that, which was called Autoresponder Apprentice back in 2009. And wow. when I laid out my format for writing uh, a good email that gets open, gets read, and gets, gets click-throughs, it typically came out to about between 600 and 700 words. And while that is still valid today in certain situations, it's not a copy and paste kind of a thing. You know, I get students all the time. It's like, well, I wrote an email, but it's only this much or, you know, it. what I have, I guess the biggest shift I have seen is the length of emails that are still effective. Um, you know, I still think that, going too long is a terrible sin when you're in emails even though there's a caveat to that you know a guy like jay abraham i don't know if you ever get jay's emails but they they go on and they uh, go on oh no no jay
0: jay jay's emails and i have a little bit of a contention spot and that's i used (laughs) to write for jay that was the other thing oh okay Okay. um the 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 contention so you definitely know uh But the uh, the contention spot I had with it was they hired another guy to write his emails, and unfortunately, they just happened to watch a crap load of Jay Abraham speaking, mm-hmm. and not really adapted Jay Abraham speaking to Jay Abraham writing. They didn't find that striking balance. Yeah. So all his emails just sounded like these long, really drawn out speeches that could have yeah. something. Yeah. Yeah.
1: But I've seen Jay talk like you know, yeah, I know my emails are long, and that I don't care because that's That's the way I want them. And you can't argue with Jay.
0: <laughs> so You can try, uh, but you'll lose. <laughs> yeah, you
1: can try, but you can lose. So I would say that probably the biggest shift is the length in uh, emails uh, has kind of started to, to shrink up a little bit as people start to develop skill sets and, and uh, messages that are tighter. You know, we don't have to – I don't think that the attention span of today's email reader – is as, as uh, good as it was when I was writing emails back in the you know, 2006, 7, 8, 9, 10. Um, depend, of course, depending on the, on the person you're reading uh, and how devoted you are to their following and whatnot, I just don't think that people have a lot of time with everything else coming at them to stick with an email. And so one of the things I see from my students a lot of times is when they start to develop a story, which is my emails are very story-based. They tend to
0: just—that's why you influence me.
1: <laughs> well, thank you. Uh, they tend to just go on and on, and they go off on these little tangents, and they they describe something a little too much, or they they you know they try too hard to to make a story fit with what I call the kind of like statement which is transitioning into a want need desire or problem that the prospect is experiencing and doing that in a natural way. So typ- typically when I get emails from my students and I they want me to review them it's always make it tighter, make it shorter, get to the get to the meat of the email quicker because people just won't stick with it as nearly as much as they they used to. Now there's nothing like a good story. And I mean, you can get people into a good story and you can wrap them up. But it's a skill yeah. that you kind of have to learn and hone and improve on Develop. continually. Um, and a lot of the beginning writers that I work with or intermediate writers even, they don't, they don't quite have that skill yet. They just want yeah. you know, to go on and you're just like, uh.
0: <laughs> uh. It's usually I find who they've studied. Like that's really Mm -hmm. kind of impactful because, and what I mean by who they study, like you can study every great copywriter in the sun. Hell, you can study the two of us together. And I guarantee Mm -hmm. you one thing, if all you did was emulate our style and use what we did, yeah, you would get good, but to get really good, like great, start studying other things that have nothing to do with marketing. Like study psychology, study character arcs, study how like stories are built. Um, And that's, no, go ahead. I was gonna say, I have a swipe file on my other MacBook that's next to me that I use for like work stuff. That right there is, uh, it is chock full of, uh, so one of the folders is called, uh, is swipes, I've got all my swipe files in there, but one of the subfolders is uh, screenplays and scripts. So I downloaded some of the most successful movies of all time, like Pulp Fiction, Paranormal Activity, Mm -hmm. The Matrix, And I'm reading through their scripts. Like I'm reading through books and going, okay, why does this make me feel emotional? I've seen this movie, but why do I have this physical response to it?
1: Right. Breaking that
0: down works better with email. Like when you're, when you're writing any copy, as long as you study it, that's all it is. Yeah.
1: And you, that's a great point. I have so many uh, people who try to stay inside the box. You know, I teach this method and they try to write inside this box. And you know, one of the things I actually, one of the modules in my course is okay, here's how to do it step by step by step. And then as we get to like I don't know, module eight, nine, whatever, I say, okay, take everything you just learned from me and throw it out the window. Because not every email that you need to write is going to fit into this mode, Format. into this yeah. type of style. Make it your own. Uh, read other people's stuff. You know, people say, well, I, so-and-so says you should do this and Ben Settle says you should do that. And Andre Chaperone says you should do this. And, and uh, I'm like, then do that. You know, take something that uh, works for you and clicks with you and follow that. Don't try to force the whole uh, square peg round hole um, kind of thing here. Take something that, a method that clicks with you. If it's mine, great. If it's somebody else's, that's great. But if it clicks for you and you write it and it gets results, then that's all that matters. It's all that matters.
0: Could not agree more. It's always the case of, I I would change that statement for one thing. And also because the the visual image, I can see what you're doing there. Uh, I won't throw everything out that you just said and taught them simply because there's gold in that, but... I get what you mean in the sense of like throw out what isn't applicable to you that doesn't feel natural. Keep what is Keep finding what is natural until you find your own voice. Yes. Um, Because that's the key thing. I mean, it took me like, it took me damn near a decade to figure out, figure out my voice. I was Mm -hmm. like, what do I talk about? What the hell do I do? And I still suck at writing emails to my own list. I like write emails for everyone else. (laughs) Write them for your own list. It's crazy. But that does segue me to a perfect point right now. So guys, if you're listening right now and you're a copywriter and you need to get leads in to help you get more clients coming in through the door, Jay has an incredible little service that he does. You can check it out. It is at copyleadsnow.com. Head on over there, read the testimonials, see if it's the right fit for you. But Jay does send out some incredible leads. He does give you an idea of how to bring in leads with emails. Just follow just any way you can get in touch with this man just do so and that's my piece on that kind of coming back to it. However, one of the questions I did want to ask you specifically when it came out to um, Emails and I'm glad that you touched on the whole uh, actually before we jump into that question. I came up with this with a analogy, which I now think we should use for this episode. Uh, Emails are becoming more like bacon. The more, the, the, as time has gone on, the shorter they become and more tighter they become as well. <laughs> Start off with this big thing. As you cook it, it gets smaller. I don't even eat that's bacon great. and I know this.
1: <laughs> that's great. I love that. That's that's perfect. Yeah. yeah.
0: I can imagine that'd be an email you write later on. Just be like, make your emails you know like what? bacon.
1: Thank you so much. Um, you know, the, a lot of the, the ideas I get are just from, you know, pictures like that or little little things that somebody says. Or guys, I get email, you know, once, once people click into my method, they start seeing email fodder, everywhere. I call it uh, ideas everywhere. And uh, I will literally be ro- ro- uh, rolling down the road with my wife and I'll see something on the side of the road, a sign, a business, I don't know, something interesting and I'll just kind of throw it out there and make a mention of something. And then I'll get real quiet and my wife will say, you're writing an email in your head, aren't you? And I'll be like, no, <laughs> of course I am. Because it's just too perfect. You know, it's yeah. just too perfect. And I'm, I'm always like, oh, I got to get that down, which th- that's a good lesson for everybody. If you get a good idea, write it down, put it in your phone, something. Because if you think, oh, I'm going to remember that later, you won't. I have forgotten so many awesome, awesome email ideas
0: uh, in my time. Don't do that. Don't be like me. No, don't do not do that. The other way that i found, if you can't write it down, you don't have anything to record it with, and you just mentioned it right now, it's a very powerful technique that very few people utilize. It is verbalize or internalize the email, but do more than just the idea. In fact, if you got the ideas in like um, the Allen key of emails, say that was, the th- oh, I'd love to write an email about Allen keys. Great. Yeah. Don't just leave it there. Be like, okay, so how would I write this email? The whole thing would be about how marketing system can be like turnkey, how you can do this and all this. And the Allen Keys really like the main thing and the Allen key stands for this acronym. Mentally write all this down because when you, or mentally like think about it to that degree, because when you come back later on to sit down and do it, your brain has a longer period of time to dissect rather than this one little tiny memory. Mm -hmm. Um, And that works massively. The other is get good at writing, verbalizing copy. I mean, that's- That's actually yes. something the, and I will throw my hat in the ring and say, I'm more than happy to put my hand up and say, I, I can probably write a verbalized copy better than most. Yeah. Um,
1: yeah. You're very good. You're very good at what you do. High
0: praise from a man, I respect. I will take that for what it is. <laughs> it's very high praise. But the reason I was bringing that up was because uh, I've never actually told anyone how it developed. So if it's cool with you, do you mind if I actually give them an exclusive for you and I, because it does I'm, lead to my question sure. that I have. Sure. Um, so when I started out, I'm actually dyslexic, like severely dyslexic. I have ADD as well, which is why you'll see me. If you ever see me on camera, I'm always doing like a million and one things. Or what I, What my current obsession is, fidgeting with a, a deck of cards, because I like right. doing card magic every so often. Still blows people's mind every so often. It's fun. Anyway, um, so because of that, John D. Martini, the self-help guru from The Secret, used to say that he had a similar problem and he used to have to voice dictate everything out and i can't remember who it was i think it was either carlton or halbert that said this you want your copy to resemble how you sound when you speak Mm -hmm. and in my head for the first two years of my career i just verbalized everything so i'd write. i as i'm writing the copy i'd be saying it out loud so Mm -hmm. i could make sure that it sounded right as i was writing Mm -hmm. And it just developed to a point right now where I can, you can, we've done this enough times where I jokingly say that Dave Chappelle has a fishbowl full of um, punchlines. Mm-hmm. I don't have a fishbowl, a fishbowl full of punchlines. I let my audience choose whatever the subject and niche is and I'll come up with a copy for it. So yeah. far, I've had someone come up with, a, with a, uh, a sex toy on a podcast. They asked me to write a letter for a sex toy on a podcast. I had someone at a seminar earlier this year, which I need to send you the audio for, cause I sent it to a client and they laughed their ass off with it. Uh, they asked me, so I was demonstrating my, my system uh, and any speaker worth their salt will tell you this, never open the door up to the audience if they've had a bit of, uh, they've had a, bit of a drink or they know you very well, cause someone will <laughs> drop something very messed up in there. So I'm like, okay, so let me demonstrate what the system looks like. Uh, who's got a niche? without skipping a beat the guy that was sat next to me in this audience yells out "Male in like penis enlargement okay so anytime so and again i have been through speaker training where they go if you get someone like that laugh it off and find someone else that everyone else can benefit from. Mm-hmm. clearly i missed that day because my only response was, well, well fuck yeah let's go and i just started yeah, verbalizing the sales do it i'm like I'm not, it doesn't bother me but my question that really comes from that whole verbalization is how do you inter- internalize good copy like because i'm very curious because now we have uh jay and everyone else and i'm still a fan believer of this and i think uh, you are as well but jay abraham is as well take time to write things down by note pen and pen when you're learning how to write copy because it, mm-hmm. it it's it's linked to your brain yes my question to you is how do you internalize um copy and training now and how do you suggest other people do it now, considering how much technology we have? Wow. I know. Heavy question. You know, I, I've thought about this a lot.
1: And it's like, what, how do you do what you do? Because people ask me that. How do you do what you do? And, you know, I go back to my experiences that I had before I went freelance, uh, went uh, as a freelance copywriter in 2006. And my. Way of internalizing things is really just, you know, I, I didn't learn copywriting from a book, I didn't mm. learn copywriting from a course, a seminar, uh, and if you're doing that, God bless you Excellent. because it's you know you're you're doing it. This is the way you do it. You know, I I was thrown into the mix. You know, I started writing radio commercials and I didn't had never written radio commercials before,
0: but <laughs> all I of a sudden, sudden you wrote I got radio this. Commercials.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That was my first gig as a copywriter. And the way that, oh gosh, it was, (laughs) I just took it as a lark to get out of, of working in insurance, which was killing me with stress. And here's, here's, here's the fun part. I took this little job of writing radio commercials. This is the late nineties. And I think I was making like $15,800 a year. I mean, it was, it paid nothing, but, I enjoyed it so much, and it was so easy for me, and here's why. I grew up in a house where the TV was always on, and I'm I'm a little bit older, so it was the 70s, the TV, you know, we, we were TV kids. Um, the TV was always on in the living room, and the radio was always on in the kitchen. So as I'm moving through the house, I'm always getting bombarded with, advertisements because i'm watching you know shows on tv seeing the commercials and seeing how they're they're structured not even really knowing it just watching it and absorbing it um, without even really realizing that i'm learning how to write good direct response copy then i'd walk through the kitchen and my mom always had the radio on to the local country music station and i would hear radio commercials on there and so you know and then when i turned 16 and got my own car i had the radio on in my car all the time because i'm a huge music guy rock and roll you know mm-hmm. metal and all that but uh anyway um, i can see the
0: guitars in the background that is yeah
1: complete... yeah i'm still i still b- b- play out my dreams of of rock and roll stardom right well, here in my you,
0: office you've seen what's behind me right yeah <laughs> i have my <laughs> drum set and cool. uh, you guys can't see you guys can't see this but i will show jay like in that corner is my piano, okay. three ukuleles, and a bass guitar. Look,
1: look at you go, man! Look at you. I, I, I've Quiet. almost, I've almost bought a pair, a set of drums like that. But first of all, I don't have a place to put them, and second of all, I have known nothing about drumming. I just want to, you know, do that. It's,
0: it's a good way. It's a good way of getting it out of your system. Yeah, yeah. I'm still it's a creative outlet
1: that's not doesn't have to, anything to do with writing. But in hearing all these advertisements, thousands and thousands of things growing up, when I slid into the radio uh, commercial writing gig, I just knew how to do it because all I was doing was emulating what I had heard my whole time growing up on TV and in, in radio. So I knew how to write a message that worked. Is this your problem, Mr. You know, uh, uh, consumer? Then you need this. And here's why, and here's where to get it. And if you go right now, we'll give you, you know, I mean, it's just really basic direct response, A, B, C, D, E kind of stuff. So it came very naturally to me. And I also learned early on how important cultural um, references are to people and how they click with people. And this is, you know, this is why when you, when you're sitting and you're messing with your phone in front of the television, or your your laptop and a commercial comes on and they're playing a song in the background that resonates with you somehow in your past, uh, you look up because it's like, I know that I click with that. I, I relate to that. There's a few years ago, this is, I mean, a crazy example, but it worked a few years ago, Honda Odyssey vans of all things used an old Judas Priest song in their advertisements. I don't, I don't even remember how, but when, that, when that, that commercial would air and I would hear that Priest song in my head, it took me right back. And I looked up because I'm like, I know that song, you know? And then I look up and it's an advertisement for vans. I'm like, how does that work? Well, they know that people who buy vans grew up with that kind of uh, music in their background somewhat in, their, in, their, in the 80s. So cultural stuff really, really resonates with people, guys. And if you can use any kind of cultural references in your, um, and, and I teach this in my course, either um, personal references, cultural references, or timely references, uh, you you will click with people. I, I call it water cooler talk. It's the stuff that you walk up to people at the water cooler at work and you just say, did you see this? Have you heard, did you see this movie? Do you remember that movie? Uh, Did you ever see that one episode of Friends where this happened and this happened? When you do that, you know, as well as I do, that everybody goes, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Chandler did this, and then Ross, you know, blah, 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 blah. All of a sudden, everybody's engaged, and you're all on the same page, and you're thinking about this thing. What I've done over the years is take that type of cultural reference and implement it into the beginning of an email, Yep. Where you, where you, you kind have. of just walk up. And I, again, I just picture it as water cooler talk. You walk up and you just start chatting when you, say, did you did you ever see this? You know, I've written, I've written emails about show about, you know, the wizard of Oz and the Andy Griffith show and, and different movies, Jaws, Godfather, you know, culturally iconic um, things that, Thanks. that instantly are recognizable by people. When you do that, you engage with them instantly. And it's, it's very easy to draw them into your email. Cause they're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know what he's talking about. Yep. Before you know like it, you, you, you've taken a, a scene from the Godfather and you've moved it into what their biggest want, need, desire, or problem is concerning whatever niche it is. And, and you know, you would be amazed how you can connect uh, different things. I, Oh man, over the years, I've used a lot of stories from my own personal experiences, my kids, my wife, you know, and like I said, cultural stuff. Uh, But just a warning uh, two things to avoid when you're doing this politics, religion. Okay. Don't go there with a general audience. Of course, if you're writing to an audience who leans way more right or way more left, and this is, you know, uh, more in the United States, but can be applied anywhere. You want to write to that audience with references actual, that gets, yeah. gets that audience stirred up, you know, um, but
0: survival niche slash agora for, is a, great for example. a
1: general niche for a general niche. You do not want to go there because you will alienate half of your audience.
0: Yep. and i mean and also you'll piss badly. you'll piss off, you'll piss them off in a really bad way Yeah, like, yeah cuz i don't go I've, off
1: and tell other people about how horrible you are and and uh yeah, yeah. just don't even go I, there. I mean, it's
0: not even worth that's it That's far- fun. Dude, as far as it goes with religion, I don't even send Christmas messages out anymore. Like, I don't do... Except for this year. This year, everyone just on my mailing list, you guys are going to get a Christmas message. And uh, by the time the show comes out, it should be around the same time because we're only a couple of weeks out by the time the show says. But I will tell everyone now, if you're on my mailing list, expect the image of the Buddy Christ because (laughs) I am actually... That's my my Christmas costume this year, year, by the way, Jay. I'm dressing up as the Buddy buddy Christ and sending everyone... A photo like a Christmas card with yeah. me as the body yeah. christ on the front cover.
1: Yeah. And see, you know, that's a reference to a Kevin Smith movie called Dogma, which, which is brilliant. Uh, <laughs> which is an excellent film. However, that's a cultural reference that I probably wouldn't use to my list. Yeah. Because I I think that there's a lot of people inside that that group that would go, I don't know what this is. And when yes. that happens, you have to take time to explain it. There was Played this it. movie, and it was this and this. And a lot of times, you don't have that time in an email. You've got to get interest. to it. So, yeah. yeah.
0: So, yeah, they're I'd like, say, I'd say the only way I could make that work with a list that didn't know who the buddy Christ was was in the subject line. Mm-hmm. It's the only place I, I, I'd have to set up in the subject line and the first three sentences. If I don't do that, I'm, I've lost them. Yeah. And just as yeah. an idea, actually, you know, I'm going to get Jay to critique this, by the way, he oh, has no Lord. idea. I'm just going to get him to do this. It'll be fun. So if I was uh, to do something like this,
1: send your payment to PayPal address. No, I'm kidding. No,
0: <laughs> definitely do. It's fine. <laughs> Always send him money. money. <laughs> uh, but the way that I would critique this, if I was writing this like a, an email to my list, it would be something like um, glad tidings from Kevin Smith and the crew of dogma. And then immediately subject line is, if you've ever like the, opening subhead is like if you've never seen dogma i suggest you go watch it after reading this email and if you've got any religious upbringing this you know hang-ups or whatever for this movie set them aside it's just way too funny to do anything else mm-hmm. uh and also i did this more as a joke so and then i i did this more as a joke and let's get into the email and immediately the first thing i'd say hey Adil here by the way if you've not seen um dogma here's the disclaimer they give you. And I just put the disclaimer of like here, here at view askew. We believe that even God has a sense of humor. Mm -hmm. Have you seen the platypus to which underneath (laughs) that would say, and I actually know he has a sense of humor because he decided to give me my passport back during a pandemic,
1: Mm -hmm.
0: which is just even funnier to me. And and that moves
1: moves into a whole different story for you,
0: you know? Yep. Yep. And Um, I can always bring it back right at the end to wrap up. Like I told you guys, I'm going to dress up as the buddy Christ.
1: All right. So I, I
0: won't, What I want to critique, the first
1: thing that comes up to me is your subject line, okay? Yeah. Um, I'm a big believer in shrouding your subject line in as much mystery and Mm -hmm. intrigue as possible to get the darn thing open. What you just did there is said, uh, glad tidings from Kevin Smith and the cast of Dogma or whatever. I would probably put something like, this may be the worst Christmas card you'll ever receive. (laughs) Yes. Or the the worst Christmas card. Greeting message you'll ever receive. I'd throw an ellipsis on the end of it, and I'd let them go. What is it? I? I got to know. Click, and it's open. Okay, you don't say what it is. You don't even intimate what it's about. All you know, all they know, is that it's a Christmas message, and it's, it's the, the worst most. one they'll ever get. So they've got to know. Well, how bad is it, right? <laughs> then you can get into it. Something like that. It, it, subject lines are are. Um, that's you know, I get a lot of questions about subject lines. They're not hard to write if you can if you can just keep it in a in a in a shrouded in like mystery and like I said, intrigue and get somebody to go, well, I gotta know what this is. It and I hate to use the word clickbait, but it you, you're almost taking a clickbaity kind of approach to it. If you ever look at those ads on your mobile when you're on a website, all those ads, you, you wouldn't believe what, you know cardi b said to you know fergie last night well there's people that are going to click that because they got to know it's the it's the inquirer mindset it's a national inquirer mindset Uh, inquiring minds got to know take that utilize it it for your own good because it works man it works definitely Um, without a doubt
0: and by the way thank you for critiquing that because that is something that i really enjoyed uh specifically because you gave me a way better subject line for that email so if you guys see an email saying the worst christmas card ever or the worst christmas reading ever yeah Jay yeah gave me that i idea. hope
1: i hope this christmas message doesn't piss you off that's another one <laughs> well yeah see it's like what is it i gotta know um and look at what other people are doing man it's it's not if you get an email and you open it and you're like wow that was that's a really good subject line take that and stick Modify it away it. someplace and utilize it because believe me copywriters are not, are the most unoriginal people of all time. Uh, Can
0: can I just tell you, (laughs) Uh, but you're not wrong. I mean, I get most of my ideas from books.
1: All we're doing is emulating what somebody else uh, did and what they were taught by somebody else. And they were taught by somebody else on down the line, all the way back to Capels, all the way back to Schwartz, all the way back to Ogilvy, these people who have put the laid the groundwork for you and I to do what we do. And so, you know, yeah. I mean, I'm not afraid to use the Wall Street Journal uh, letter uh, as a model for one of my for one of my emails, because I know most people don't know what that is. If you're not a copywriter and yep. if you're not if you don't know what I'm talking about, just Google it. The Wall Street Journal letter. It's one of the uh, most successful promotions of all time. And it tells a story right. about two people.
0: And how- do you want to know the do you want to know the funny thing about that story? Okay. It is the shittest converting letter of all time. It's one of the worst converting letters of all time. And really? That is, yeah, and here's the story why. When they mailed it, they mailed three other ads. The other two ads got a respective 5 and 7.5% return uh, as their conversion rate. The Wall Street letter that we all know and love now only got a 1.86% conversion rate, which again, not terrible, but when you're trying to hit like 5 and 10%, yeah, not yeah. great. But the the guy at the advertising agency that actually helped out with this letter said uh, years later, he goes, no, the reason they kept running it was because how big their mailing list was. They'd get people in through the front door with these high converting letters, but they would find people would cancel out a lot quicker. But because they were mailing this letter and it only got a 1.86% conversion rate, they could remail that letter over and over again year after year because they would send it to a bigger and bigger audience. And it would always like consistency, recency, we'd have obviously changed one or two things here and there, but Mm -hmm. keep the core like story in there. Mm -hmm. And he goes, that's the reason. It's not a volume winner, it's a time winner. So over time it's made more letters, it's made more money, but in the get-go, you would have discounted it otherwise. So again, that's a very good lesson for advertising. Some of your best winners might be something you don't even realize.
1: That's absolutely correct, yeah. Guys, try anything because yep. you know, usually it's the thing that you think of and you go, nah, nobody would, would like that. <laughs> yeah, That's the thing that you need to put down and put out there. Because as crazy as it seems, the thing that looks like it's going to convert like a dog sometimes, it won't. It sometimes blows up completely. And you, I mean, you can ask anybody. You can ask Ryan Dice. You can ask. Uh, uh perry belcher you can ask john you can ask anybody uh benson carlton. You can ask it. yeah, yeah carlton they'll tell you always 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 test because you never know what your audience is going to react to and sometimes you, you think yeah. you have a sure winner and it just falls flat on its face and you just there's no rhyme or reason to it but you got to keep trying and you got to keep getting something out there
0: yeah, I mean, I'd say it goes as far as even doing stuff like if you're doing VSLs as well, mm-hmm. go with uh, polished versus completely winging it. I, yeah. I mean, I te- I tested that with my uh, with an offer I did back in May, and again, we got the I've got two versions running for the relaunch of this offer right now. Um, one is of course um, one of the one of them is of course uh, polished, and the other one is not. So, like when I did the launch, the unpolished version got me a solid seventeen percent conversion rate. I was like insane, and then the yeah. upsells got me like an eighty-seven percent conversion rate. Oh, the whole that's, thing, that's... dude. I can tell you right now, the headspace I was in when I walked into the house to shoot this video, I was annoyed. I was in a really bad headspace. I was like, mm-hmm. I was like, well, fuck this. I'm just gonna go do it. Hit play. I did it on my, I did it on my MacBook Zoom, like the pinhole camera, right. not this lovely fancy camera that I have, but a really bad camera. And even on the like on the page where they go to order the cart page. I literally said this, which is career suicide for any copyright that's given you a script that says this. <laughs> my response back was, oh my God, you're actually here and decided to buy. That was the first words <laughs> that I was you so know,
1: surprised that you're there. I think that you touched on something there. It's, it's about being real with people and something about being real and being emotional and being, you know, pissed off or giddy or whatever it is people see that and they go, Oh, he's, he's this, this is an actual person. And he actually has feelings and emotions like me. Um, true story. This one of the, I used to write, write for Rich Sheffern at strategic profits. I was his guy for Amazing. several years and Rich is a wonderful, wonderful man and a great mentor and a, and a dear friend. I used to write his blog posts for him and he would call me up and he'd say, this is my idea for a blog post, Jay. And he would, Tell me what he was trying, the point he was trying to make in the blog post as it pertains to business and what he was trying to get across to his uh, readers. So one day he calls me up and he gives me this idea and I'm taking notes and I could tell Rich was just off his game and uh, agitated. And I'm like, I'm like, hang on a minute, bud. I'm, I'm like, what's going on? You are, are you all right? And he goes, oh God, Jay, it's been a day. And he tells me this story about what's happened that day. And in a nutshell, His wife at the time and his two daughters were going to fly to Barbados and Rich was going to meet them there for some time off. They go to the uh, airport at West Palm realize that they don't have some sort of uh, uh, I don't know if it was a passport or something for one of the girls. They get held up. They miss their plane. She's panicking. She's calling Rich. Rich has to put, put down everything that he's doing get in his Porsche zip up to West Palm beach from Delray beach. He gets a flat on the way. So he's on the side of the road on, I think it's I 95 that runs through the middle of of Florida there, which is a, you know, zoom, zoom, zoom cars going everywhere. Hot summer, you know, Florida day. He's on the side of the road, changing a tire, you know, the guru of gurus changing a tire on his Porsche cussing, sweating, swearing, trying to get to the airport so he can save his wife. And I mean, he told me this story and I'm just sitting there. I'm literally licking my chops, Adel, because I, I knew that this was a story I needed to tell in his blog post. Yep. And I said, let me tell that. Let me, I said, you can't keep this stuff from me, Rich. I got to know because people want to see your real life behind the stage persona, behind the videos, behind the courses, behind the coaching, behind all the money, they want to see that you're a real person, that you have real life problems, like it, not you know, not all of us can jet off to Barbados, but you know, he was changing attire. How many how many of us have had to do that before or or during a day or,
0: where you're working and everything exactly,
1: goes wrong? Exactly, exactly. And he was so frustrated. I said, "Let me write this thing for you and see what you think." So I wrote it. I wrote his story. And I just started it off with, I'm having, you know, basically I'm having a horrible day. I'm so pissed off right now, whatever. Da, 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 da. And then I turned it into a business lesson. And the business lesson was basically this. It's great to have your own business where you have the freedom to pick up and take care of personal stuff when you want to. You don't have to get permission from a boss. You don't have to, you know what I mean? It's just like somebody calls and they need you and you can just go because it's your business and it's your I wrote this blog post. I put it out there. He loved it. He put it out there. We wrote a little email that directed people. It was the biggest response he had ever got from one of his blog posts. And because people saw him as a real person, they saw him as somebody who has the same struggles and the same feelings and the same frustrations that they do. And he connected with those people in a way that he had never done before. And so Which I'm like, so buddy, true. you, you got to tell me this stuff. You have to tell me these good stories, good stuff, bad stuff, uh, because people eat it up. They absolutely eat it up. So
0: See, now this leads me to one of my questions I want to really ask you about this, because this is just a, I'd feel horrible if I didn't ask. And that is the idea of how does someone that knows how to write copy, because you and I have both seen this. And in fact, I was a victim of this for a long time. You're great at what you do, yet you are horrible at doing it for yourself. Like you just don't know how to make that jump between from here to there. But if if I told you my story, you'd be like, I have a million and one ideas. Just like if you did that to me. Yeah. My question is how, like, how do you do that? Not just for yourself, but how do you do it for a client if the client was you essentially it is writing it for yourself, but like, how would you do that?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, and I, I have done that for myself. In fact, uh, if you, if you watch any of my webinars or anything like that, I'm always relaying personal stories and just laying, laying yourself out there and being vulnerable, vulnerable to people uh, and open and honest and transparent. And I think that in this day and age that, that there's so many people that have been taken by hucksters for -hmm. lack of a better term, who are false and put on a false front and a false bravado. I could name a few people right now that come to mind that put on this this uh, front of, you know, wealth and excess and, and look at me, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm great and I'm rich and I can teach you how to do it too. If it works for them, whatever. But for what works for me is this, it's a ball cap and a t-shirt and my office here in the middle of Missouri and telling you that, look, I'm successful and I can do this and you can too. And, you know, Come with me and let me walk with you. Let me, let me, you know, let me help you do that. Um, I can't be anything else. I like to tell people, you know, when they, uh, when I get them on the phone, I'm like, look, I'm sorry. I'm not the greatest salesperson in the world. I can write really well, but I, I can't, I'm not a good phone salesperson. I said, I'm not Tony Robbins. There's no way I could fit that many teeth inside my mouth. Okay. So, um, (laughs) sorry apologies to tony and tony fans we love him very much but still we we, love tony but man that's a lot of teeth pal um so but you know it's just it's just be yourself be honest be transparent tell people what you're struggling with and watch them connect with you in a way that they never have um writing in somebody else's voice is always a challenge but you you just got to talk to them and you got to get to know them and you got to listen to what they're saying and not just the words, but the pattern and the pacing and the presentation, because, you know, I going back to Rich again, one time I was tasked with writing 18 different affiliate swipe emails for a promotion he was doing to 18 of his biggest affiliates. And they ranged from Brian Tracy, ultra conservative, you know, all the way down to Andy Jenkins and the guys at Stompernet at the time, which was and Frank Kern, which was more whiz bang, woo 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 woo, you know, Wild West, uh, uh, old school. uh, uh of Frank, but I had to slide into each one of these voices and nail them so that when we sent the swipe file, swipe copy to these people to mail, they would be like, "Yeah, this is perfect." And uh, you talk about a challenge. Cause it was the same message from each person, but it was a different voice, you know, Russell Brunson, mm-hmm. and Brian Dice and all the guys that might feel same, all the guys that, you know, and think of, but, uh, I had to get into their skin and, uh, and, you know, and write for them. So you've got to listen and you've got to really, really click into your clients to make it work. Um, and they'll tell you if Great. it isn't working, they'll tell you oh. right away.
0: Oh yeah, they do. I mean, I've been uh, one of the key traits that I, I picked up from years ago. and I, I don't know who I learned this from, but I remember like, listening to it. Uh, it was a case of my goal is always for you to read my copy that I submit and think, did I take a copywriting class at some point? Yeah, Because it yeah. sounds like me. because yeah. That's what I want people to think. I don't care how boring you are. I'll write in a boring tone, but I'll make everyone think this person's still boring as shit, but they took a copywriting class because this is funny (laughs) because you can, you don't. So the thing I always say to people, there are a myriad of ways of writing because there's all personalities in there. The thing that you don't want to do is don't emulate someone that isn't like you in the slightest. And I think Frank Kern said it best, which was if you're a boring ass accountant, just own the fact that you're boring Ask out Like, hello, I'm Fred. And uh, hello, I'm Bob. I'm, I'm an accountant. Yeah. I know people find me boring, but what I'm about to share with you will save you thousands of dollars in taxes. And then, mm-hmm. of course, that, that appeals to them. So one of my questions I'm going to ask you on the show, because, again, I'm wary of time. I could speak to you all day, and I actually intend to get you back on the show at some point, because I'd love to cool. have you on here. Cool. Uh, as you guys can not see, but... Um, you know of course Jake obviously can is the amount of books that i have that i have in my place my question for you is if um you're a movie guy as well right movies writing for
1: movies or just liking digging movies oh just liking movies oh yeah oh man i'm a i got more movie crap in my head than i know what to do with movies and songs for some reason i can retain all that crap i don't I I wish I didn't have to, but (laughs) that
0: that is a copywriter's brain for you because like the amount of times that you, I'll just let everyone in on this. The amount of times we've been doing team calls every fucking Friday and Monday and we'll get really serious and then someone will say something and then all you know, it descends into chaos the last one that disrupted this badly was Jay because he told us a story about Vegas, which we will cover another point or maybe later a little bit on. But my question to ask him and ask you right now is if you had to give five books that you'd recommend people read, but then also 10 movies that you'd recommend they watch, what would they be?
1: Um, I'll be honest with you books. Um, when it comes to kind of like
0: audio books. Well. Yeah. they Yeah.
1: When I, when I think about when I, I'm an avid reader, but unfortunately, and maybe to my detriment, I find business building books, boring, um, boring and tedious and not to 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 strike down anybody who digs this stuff, because if you do and you eat that stuff up, rock on. Because you're probably learning better things than Way I. am. More.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're learning a lot at a faster rate than we ever will. But
1: but uh, I'm not. I that's not the thing that I read. What I like to read is really good fiction by really good authors. So one of one of my uh, favorite authors is you know uh, Stephen King. I like to read a good Stephen King novel every once in a while. I'm reading. Uh, I like to read the Jack Reacher novels. I know that's a little bit. Oh, little, I totally love those a, a pulp fiction, you know, kind of a thing. Or, but uh I love those movies.
0: I um, love those books. Read, but, uh, not the read, movies so much.
1: Read from very good uh writers, and you'll you'll see how they tell a story using words, and not tons of words, but using the right words at the right time, and then moving through the plot and moving through the whole the whole story, and that will help you to develop your own stories and to. Um, write them in a way that that um, that resonates with your readers. I grew up like I said, I was an avid reader i I, I had a stack of comic books like this. you know you think well you 're an avid reader, did you read tolstoy or you know dostoevsky? No, no, read comic books, man. I had a stack of comic books like this, uh, a lot of Rolling Stone when I was a teenager, a lot of sports magazines um, you know. And then I started reading you know, uh, uh, guys like King who can absolutely put you in a story and have you literally feeling exactly what the character's feeling, fear, you know, madness, whatever, in a way that, yep. that nobody else can. So that's, that's the books that I would read, uh, just by good authors. You know, get a good author and, and, and consume some good fiction.
0: As far I as, no, go ahead. Before we jump to movies, I would definitely recommend reading crime novels. Crime Mm -hmm. novels for some really weird reason, brilliant. For me, it was a guy called Chris Cart. I've spoken about him a lot. He wrote a book called The Crucifix Killer, which I recommend to you as well, by the way, Jay, if you haven't read that, it's a fucking phenomenal book. Um, Very highly graphically violent in the sense of uh, the the, the whole book follows the robbery, homicide, ultra-violent crimes unit. And um, the other thing that makes this different from other crime novels is Chris was a criminal psychologist for the LAPD. (laughs) So he sat down with some serial killers before. So like his books are so methodically good though. The last ones annoyed me a little bit because I found a couple of typos in it that really bothered me. I'm like, Mm -hmm. not a fan, but, uh, before we move on to movies, I did want to show you this. So this right here is part (laughs) of my comic book collection that I've got going on. So we have X-Men Wolverine, all the other fun stuff. And because I'm such an avid reader as well, we have books mm-hmm. traffic secrets is the hardest book for me to get through but yeah. if you look down further we've also got hunter s thompson at the front with the hell's angels because <laughs> uh who doesn't oh, like hunter s in all so fairness Manny brunson,
1: brunson to thompson that's quite a range there brother
0: <laughs> pretty much i was getting the, the one thing though was uh, manny wolf who who's you guys will hear on the show as well Manuel paid me one of the greatest compliments uh, for this really long blog post I wrote, like this uh, post I wrote on my Facebook wall earlier this year. He was like, dude, that feels like the Hunter S Thompson of copywriting right there. Mm. I was like, you have no idea how much of a compliment that is.
1: Gonzo copywriter. Love it.
0: <laughs> but yeah, please go on to the movies. I know you and I are going to have a lot of fun. You know,
1: I, I'm, a, I'm a big movie buff. I, I, I don't find uh, enough time to watch enough movies these days. And, and honestly, I'm not as plugged into movies you know I used to be I I could would sit down and just devour a movie and uh, really just kind of ponder it but I don't find a lot of movies that interest me anymore I think it has to do with age and and being jaded by seeing the same old plot line over and over and over again but you know some of my favorites um,
0: actually before uh, we jump into that so just go there I would dis- I would not disagree with you. I actually said this very recently. Hollywood, seriously, what happened to the creativity? You're just regurgitating the same absolutely, shit. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Why are you re- why are you remaking-
0: Why are you remaking The Lion King? Go make something yeah. new. Yeah. We don't yeah. need a retelling of a great movie. In fact, the retelling was shit, but like the original like 93 version, you know, that cast is incredible. So it's anyway. You know, Every once
1: in a while, they nail it. You know, uh, Once yep. Upon a Time in Hollywood was a was really wonderful movie. film. It was a yep. wonderful film. And Tarantino takes you on a ride, and you never really know what kind of turns you're going to take. And I love that in a movie. I love to be surprised. Don't yes. give me the same old, same old, you know, boy Damn. and girl right off into the sunset. That's my wife's. She loves the romantic side. If it doesn't have a happy ending, she's mad. With me, if the main person gets killed halfway through, I'm like, cool, where's this going? You know? Oh,
0: yeah. It's like the Pulp Fiction the first time you watch it and you see, yeah. um, you see some of the characters die within like the first half of the movie. You're like, how are they going to survive this?
1: Yes, and he next? jumps timelines. And I mean, it's totally against the grain. And I like movies like that. Um, you know, the, 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 the last the Joker film that was out here.
0: Uh, oh, dude, that, that fucked me over. That fucked that me was, up. That are was we talking about the Walking Phoenix? Piece. Yes, yeah,
1: Phoenix? yeah.
0: Yeah, that, that, that was a brilliant up.
1: piece. That was a brilliant piece i loved watching that
0: um same that's you know, what messed and, me up because like i related so hard to it. i was like god damn this is messing with me i gotta go out i gotta go out
1: well i mean it was a, it was a scathing indictment of how we treat the mental health system in the united states and i thought Whoa. i thought it was very well done and very yeah. well uh, portrayed uh so you know favorite movies I've, I've got my my own over the years you know if raiders of the lost ark is ever on television i sit and watch it and i just mm-hmm. love it every time i i never get tired of it it's just it's fun it's exciting it's you know it's funny it's just it's one of those films that you're just like yeah i did you know i could watch this over and over again um you know classics godfather jaws rocky those kinds mm-hmm. of stories from the 70s i can remember sitting in theaters actual theaters and watching those on actual film
0: (laughs) i did that with star wars by the way like because they did the re-release i did that with the star wars original trilogy when they did Mm -hmm. the re-release in 97 that's what got me into them yeah
1: we were just talking about this on on the group the other day i was 11 years old sitting in a theater in gillsburg illinois watching uh the original star wars in 19 whatever it is 77 and uh when the first star starship came across the screen i mean there was a literal gas from the audience because it was nothing like we'd ever seen before Mm -hmm. and um, you know gave me a love for those movies which i passed on to my son who has turned into a total Star wars geek Um, but you know i mean lucas knows how to make a film and uh, he made the film that he wanted and uh, so you know those films all the classics are the ones that i I kind of gravitate back to the new stuff
0: it's not quite as uh as thrilling to me anymore I agree though i 've completely zoomed in my camera for you to see a very certain collection of toys above my symbols okay collect star wars I've got my Star Wars toys uh-huh. uh, and Legos all out because uh love it dude like, i'm like i cannot wait for i've like, not finished decorating this apartment yet, but um I've got a TIE fighter I'm building on Saturday, like a Lego TIE fighter. I'm going to hang it off one of the um, ceilings. Oh, so you sweet. see like, this thing there. Sweet. Uh, over in the corner over there is a 19, it's either a 2000 or a 1989 Millennium Falcon that was released by by the company. A friend of mine sent that to me for my birthday last year. Oh, that's um, fabulous, man. That's dude, great. Such, a, such an ad, but I will say this much about Tarantino because we, we did touch upon him. And mm-hmm. I, I respect the dude as a filmmaker like crazy. The thing that really got me with Tarantino is he you, you can't really put him in a genre. You just go, what movie is, this? is a Tarantino film? And you're like, yeah. I'm expecting good. And you always usually get it. Yeah. But yeah. if you look at what his genre is, like *Inglorious Bastards to me is still one of the best movies of all time. Yeah. Specifically, if you look at it for what it is it's a war movie where two thirds of the script is in another language that most people mm-hmm. don't speak as a subtitled. And yet somehow he's made it one of the greatest for quote unquote foreign films of all time. <laughs> or like, even if you look at Django Unchained, that's a Western, that is a yeah. Western movie like told yeah. through like this perspective though. Granted that movie, um, I don't cry very often, but that movie took me on a, on a rollercoaster of emotion. Yes, absolutely.
1: Absolutely. He, he just, It's a very unique vision, you know, and if if you're looking for good movies, look for good filmmakers and, and, and try them out because, you know, Tarantino makes a a film this way, but uh, Brian De Palma makes a film another way. And Martin Scorsese makes a film another way. And Guy Ritchie and and all these, these people that are iconic, but look at what they're doing and how they're telling a story and learn from them. Because a lot of times you'll see something and you'll be like, man, that's really interesting. How can I implement that into my writing? How can I implement that into my marketing? And sometimes all it takes is referencing the movie. You know, did you guys see this movie? And again, make sure it's kind of a Pulp Fiction kind of a thing where a lot of people are like, there's that scene from Pulp Fiction where, you know, blah, 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 you could say, yeah, you know, here's these guys all being held at gunpoint and, and, uh, you know, Julius is eating, that's a one tasty burger, man. You know, do you mind if I take a drink? And I mean, these I guys are on literally vibe. on the brink of their own death,
0: but he's just like Chilling eating, out a eating a burger. I yeah. heard, uh, that was the subject line I used, by the way. It's like, One you tasty heard that burger? Co- no, it was like, you heard of that Hawaiian joint? <laughs> that was the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that I was the it. thing. Yeah. It was, it's, but that movie is one of those, I icon- caught like, in that one scene alone that we're describing, I can pull out like... Four huge subject lines the other one is like say mm-hmm. what again i dare you mm-hmm. i double dare you
1: uh-huh absolutely
0: like, like, did you, you know in the
1: scripture rest? that he recites you know i the, the one oh. that comes in my head is it's, it's a royale with cheese Jeez. you know john I mean, who, who resurrected john travolta i mean are you kidding me the brilliance oh of God. casting him in that role and, and bringing him back to life it's like that, this guy was
0: you know I was supposed to go to michael Manson. Like that was supposed to go to him, but he was shooting another movie at the same time. So Travolta See, got that, it. And that did that it's revised one of those
1: happy accidents that happens, you right. know.
0: And it's- by the way, if you guys ever meet Samuel Jackson, memorize the whole Royale with cheese conversation because he was talking about it goes, it's one of his favorite lines that he loves fans saying to him. He goes, He's had only three fans in his entire life walk up to him and have the balls to say, Hey, do you know what they call uh what was it a quarter pound of cheese in, in Amsterdam? Or like in Europe, it's like, no, what they call it? It's a Royale with cheese. It's just, and apparently they did, he was at the airport. They did a 45 minute dialogue back and forth. This one guy pretending that he was Vincent Vega and he was Joel Winfield in the airport. And uh, he still says it's one of his favorite memories of meeting oh, fans. Oh man,
1: can you imagine sitting there doing that with Sam?
0: oh my god just imagine the laughter that he would have afterwards as well he's such
1: an intense actor and i know everybody goes right to his 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 interesting colorful language skills but the guy is a amazing
0: actor actor. yes look at his body of work is and Mm -hmm. and the fact is he didn't start till he was in his 40s that's yeah i know isn't that crazy and yeah, now he's uh, been in.
1: Is I think if, if did I read it right? Where he's been in, he's been in more films that have made more money over their lifetime than any other actor. He's.
0: I wouldn't surprise. I wouldn't yeah,
1: so, something about the films that he's he has been in have made. Uh, you know billions you know hundreds of billions of dollars and bigger than any other actor
0: or something like that it's
1: kind of i would
0: say that the other thing is well, very few people know this but watch if you ever watch coming to america which by the way hasn't aged as well but it's still for, for people that went through that as kids you yeah. laughed your ass yeah. off at it like yeah. now watching it's a little bit cringy but still um samuel jackson's in that movie i don't know if you know this but he he's the uh, Robert at mcdonald's he's the mcdonald's you're right Robert. he is yeah. you are exactly right you are exactly right when I
1: think of coming to America, I think of the barbershop
0: yep. scene. Everybody just cuts off his it head. Is, <laughs> like... If
1: it's on and I turn it on, that's what I watch. And the scene uh sexual chocolate mm. and the whole uh Eddie doing that band and and um oh my oh gosh, my Arsenio Hall playing that old that old <laughs> preacher and he looks at that girl and he says, Girl, you look good enough to put on a plate and sop up with a biscuit. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. where did that <laughs> that's come so from? Much. You know oh you
0: know. i I look that movie's got so many great bits to it, but I think one of my all time favorites uh from coming to America isn't even to do with coming to America. it's what some YouTuber did that made me laugh, and as a Star Wars fan like you are, I think you should watch this. Just type in uh James L. Jones coming to America, Star Wars. what oh. they've done is they've taken all the lines from Coming to America of James L. Jones and put them <laughs> over Darth Vader's voice. <laughs> So there's a bit there where he's like, "You are not the one that was like, ah, it was like, aha, what about one million dollars then? Two mi- <laughs> No, two million dollars." <laughs> he's like negotiating with that. Princess Leia. It's so fucking hilarious. I like, gotta
1: watch that. Tears man. of
0: laughter. But um, taking back to Samuel Jackson for a second, I actually found out why. He, and this is like how this is what a copywriter gets to at times. You you become obsessive over shit that you end up like learning things about them, and then you draw uh-huh. great subject lines. Um, and copy. Samuel L. Jackson's reason for using the word motherfucker isn't actually for profanity. It's because he has a speech impediment. And that ah. is his speech impediment way of getting out of it. Wow. Isn't yeah. that interesting? So if he's like finding himself about to stutter during the line, he's like, motherfucker! And goes right back into f- <laughs> the scene. Um, and funnily enough, by the way, if you haven't seen the QT 8, I think it is, uh, Quentin Tarantino yep. 8 documentary, yep. recommend it. It's really? without one of the best. so good uh you actually really get a chance to understand how um how tarantino thinks about his films and his characters because uh judy greer was supposed to be in pulp fiction she was Mm. actually had they shot a whole scene with her in it and they had to cut it because of length also fun fact danny devito helped produce the damn thing which is even weird and so right
1: yeah strange
0: (laughs) yeah apparently it was not going to be made danny devito funded it and it was amazing um but when you get to uh, the scene, he actually pulled Judy Greer aside and said, hey, listen, I'm so sorry we had to cut the scene, but I'm going to write a whole movie just for you. And of course, any actress or even copywriter, we've had it where people go, you know what? If you write this thing for me, like uh, the next time we'll hire you for it. Mm-hmm. Everyone's been there. Like we'll write for exposure and shit. Mm-hmm. Um, and she thought the same. This little white boy ain't going to get me any movie parts, whatever it is. Brings out... <laughs> was it Jackie Brown?
1: Yeah. yeah. Calls
0: the writer was like, I wrote this movie for you. You're the main character. It's specifically yeah. for you. She read it. She was she like, this nailed. is me. Yeah. He yeah. nailed it.
1: Um, interestingly uh, enough, writing for, writing for an actor, um, I found out recently that John Hughes uh, would do that for Molly Ringwald. Yeah. He, he literally had a picture of Molly Ringwald from a casting call that he had on his bulletin board. And he would write these teen angst dramas uh breakfast club and you know 16 uh, candles yeah 16 candles he would write with her in mind with that face and that that look in mind and so he could write exactly to who he wanted to write and it clicked i mean the john hughes films um to me you know that was me in high school breakfast club i knew all those kids you know 16 candles god forbid i kind of was farmer ted a little bit um <laughs> you know i wish i was cool jake but i was more farmer ted Oh, um, no and he just totally nailed what it was like to be a teenager in the 80s and um you know that's what you've got to do with your copy guys you've got to click with your reader in a way where they go wow that's different that's interesting I resonate with that, and that gets them into your your emails. That gets them engaged, gets them to the place where they're reading about the product and get clicking on a link. Um, if you can do that, you can write your own ticket because it's 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 just it's just going right to the human soul, and yep. and hitting them where they live. If you try to hit them well, uh, money, in the places where they they've been they've been hit so many times before then uh those places are dead and numb because they get emails like that all the time get them in a place where they're not expecting do it do a tarantino you know kill uh uh, john travolta right in the middle of the movie you know and, and then have him come back in a different timeline at the end you know uh just give them a twist that they're not expecting and watch what happens watch what yep. happens. Very cool. It's, it's going to be incredible.
0: But guys, uh, unfortunately, our time is coming to an end. As you guys can, can tell, I need to get Jay back on. So share, subscribe, rate, tell everyone how amazing this episode is. And I'm sure I can get him to say yes. But Absolutely. Jay, thank you. Thank you so much for being here, man. I had such a blast having you on the show. Yeah, this was fun. Let's do it again. Definitely. Guys, please go check out, was it copyleadsnow.com? copyleadsnow.com right now i've
1: got a a i have got I send out a list of 10 copywriting job leads all remote and none of the bid for hire crap uh to my subscribers every day all right every day you get a fresh list of 10 monday through friday you get a fresh list of 10 leads I'm, in fact as at when we sign off here i'm going to put together my list for i do it myself put it together for today and and send it to my subscribers um Right now, I, you can get them uh, 90 days, five, about 500 leads for free if you sign up at Copy Leads now. Uh, so check that out and uh, let me know what you think. And um, you know, I'll, I endorse I'll endorse
0: that. I'll endorse that. It's, it's actually I, I'm on that list and I can tell you they're absolutely fucking amazing. But guys, as always, please have an amazing weekend. Stay safe and please rate, share, subscribe. Have an amazing holiday period if this is around the time the holiday period is around. And uh, I'll speak to you guys soon. Take care.